0: Let's bring in somebody who might talk about um, more of this caplanusha with you, Bobby Webster, Raptors general manager, joining us on the Raptors show once again. Um, Bobby, how are you doing? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, we have like a very ver- vertically compressed version of you right now, so um, it's all right. It's not you. You don't need right. to change your posture. It's uh, it's all good. Yeah, it's okay. all tech- you're, you're Luigi. I'm Mario. essentially, right now, proportion wise. <laughs> um does that make it, me bowser what is that uh i don't uh, know any anyway. will we only have 15 minutes with bobby we're gonna use them wisely okay so bobby i wanted to start before we get to the trade down just what the plan coming into this season for you guys because i was listening to the press conference you did yesterday and you had mentioned that the season did get off to quite the start that you guys expected so what level did the team need to play at where you guys sort of choose a different path than what you guys chose to do this year at the deadline
1: Yeah, I mean, it always comes down to wins and losses, right? And I think, you know, you can envision uh, some hypothetical record of where we were wins and loss wise, where we felt like keeping the team together and continuing to build it um, would have led to a kind of different end result. But, you know, we can we could rehash that if you want, but I think ultimately we saw it and it just wasn't quite working. And so
0: we decided to, you know, go in a different direction. I don't want to rehash it too much, but I did want to ask just for clarity um, was there an approach in terms of a contract extension this season for either OG or Pascal Siakam, uh, before you ultimately chose to move on from them? Yeah, I think we talked
1: about with both of them prior to the season. I think we, you know, OG was limited based on the rules of the CBA. So, um, you know, he, he respectfully declined. And then with Pascal, we did have conversations, but ultimately, you know, couldn't come to an agreement on a deal before the season.
2: Um, so yesterday, obviously you make those deals and you spoke yesterday that the heavy lifting was done earlier than the trade deadline. And the headline item for your trade deadline and around the league kind of was the, the deals that didn't get done. It wasn't a, a particularly a lot of trades, but not big names being moved. Um, Bruce Brown is someone that you guys acquired in the Pascal trade that a lot of people seem to think would be eventually rerouted uh, somewhere else at the deadline. And you said yesterday that, you know, the threshold wasn't met. For a Bruce Brown trade, um, without I, I know you're not going to tell me, hey, we wanted this exactly this, but um, you know how close was that threshold, and how much did it seem like you know that was a market wide reality rather than just a Bruce Brown reality? Yeah, a couple of things that I think we saw. There weren't a ton of, of big names moved
1: yesterday. I think there's a, a lot of macro kind of NBA pro sport factors in play. Um, but I think just back for Bruce, and, you know, we just met with him here and, you know, after shoot around, he's 27. He has incredible championship pedigree. Um, there's a competitiveness, there's a two-way ability that we like with him. And so even when we did the the trade four um, with Indiana, we got Bruce back. There was always this scenario. And so I think ultimately, you know, another team or a contender was, you know, in essence going to have to blow us away with an offer to, to get Bruce. Otherwise, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it. He has an interesting contract here with this summer. There's a lot of options to keep him, um, options to, you know, hold on draft night while we consider other moves. Um, but I think first of all, we've always liked Bruce as a player. And so we're, we're excited to keep him for the rest of the
2: season. So those options for anyone who doesn't know, you know, you could pick up his team option and have him as a player. You pick up his team option with the intent of, of trading him. You could walk away from it and have the cap space there. Um, on the trade value front, would you anticipate he would have similar value around the league on draft night or on july 1st as he as he did you know as you guys kind of canvassed the league um at the deadline here
1: yeah i think based on the offers we had you know yesterday or the or just least, at least the discussions um you'd hope that that he would maintain some of that value um you also hope that you know maybe he plays his way into this core and and you know as a part of our future and and maybe the one scenario you didn't go through was uh you know declining the option having the ability to re-sign it as well hmm.
0: Okay. Interesting. Lots of optionality with that one. Yeah. A lot. That was the key word. That was the topic uh, that came out of your press conference a, a lot after yesterday. Um, I want to ask you about one of the moves that was made. So, um, you know, you guys brought in Dennis Schroeder last year um, at, uh, you know, Summer League. I remember he, you know, him getting introduced, and, uh, you know, Dennis, I think, even spoke then about coming in and wanting to start. And uh, obviously, he was the starting point guard for the majority of the season before that change was made. And we've seen Darko speak lonely about. Dennis and also use him in a lot of like high leverage situations. And I know you mentioned financial flexibility. Was was there any other reasons why you guys chose to part ways with Dennis Schroeder in this deal? I think going back to what you said, and Dennis came off an incredible summer. We had, you know,
1: really high hopes and expectations. I know Dennis had it himself as well. And so like, you know, he's the ultimate, you know, competitor, you know, we've all seen him raise the level of our play. I think even in that last Charlotte game, um, but I think, you know, ultimately he was brought in, with the Pascal OG that team to sort of compete, and so probably just uh, as our timeline shift, the shift the timeline of Dennis with us shifted, and you know move him on, you know wish him the best, and like we'll always follow and and you know have a lot of love and support for Dennis.
2: So in terms of what did come in, uh, actually, sorry, i, I got to do one more on the the kind of flexibility, if that's okay. So so Dennis going out, you know clears a, a little bit of salary from from next year's books. We talked about the the Bruce Brown options there. You have Kelly Olenek, who you were quick to highlight yesterday, as extension eligible, and you could you know lower that cap hit by signing him to a new deal potentially. Emmanuel quickly comes with uh, a very small cap hold as a restrictive free agent this year, which, which gives you guys some flexibility in the summer as well. I mean, going through this and going through my cap exercise and stuff, it really does seem like you guys have placed a premium on that flexibility and the ability to take a couple different paths in July. Is that a fair read on kind of the the spirit behind these moves as a collective
1: 100 percent and us you know still here before and said the same thing probably for the past you know 10 10 years and I think it's something we've always valued as a franchise until you're ready to lock into a team that you think is really a high level competitive team this is probably the best approach um and especially with the the new CBA and there's a ton of restrictions and not spending a lot of money and just having flexibility if you can you know, take advantage of other teams who have spent too much and maybe need to, you know, get off salaries and, and attach players or attach, you know, assets to it. So, um, you know, the next, the second trade deadline is always draft night. And so we'll, we'll be well positioned on draft night, um, you know, to hopefully take advantage of this. You know, there's no guarantee we do, but I think just having that option and we saw it this year, the deadline, we had some deals returned down where we could use some of that, you know, theoretical cap space next season to take down picks. Um, but ultimately, you know, we hope those deals will still be there in June,
0: and we'll have another shot at it. Okay, I wanted to ask about um, one of the two pieces you guys brought in, Ochai Abaji How long have you guys been tracking Ochai and his progress, and what do you see as his like long term uh, trajectory in this league?
1: Yeah, I know for me at least, our scouts brought him to me. His is to his freshman season at Kansas, he kind of um, you know started to to get some opportunities off the bench, and then you know he ends up with the. Really illustrious career at Kansas, I think, culminating, you know, um, most outstanding player in in the tournament. Um, And then, you know, he gets drafted, he gets put in the Donovan Mitchell trade. So we're watching him the whole time. Um, I think we feel like, you know, he sits kind of the two-way Raptors mold, you know, uh, loves to play defense, you know, developing offensively, um, you know, can make a three-point shot. And we just feel like in this environment with
2: Darko where we're going, age-wise, energy, excitement, he'll fit right in with this core. Is the challenge for him, you know, in his next stage developmentally going to be, you know, you mentioned the defense. Transition-wise, he's, he's incredible from the tape. Pretty, looks like a pretty good team-level defender. Like, Are you guys hoping he can turn into, you know, one of your primary point-of-attack guys on, on defense as well?
1: Yeah, I think that, that, you know, he's when you see him, he's blessed with a lot of physical um, capabilities. He's a great athlete. Um, he's big. He's strong. So I think that's kind of, as we all know, the effort on the defensive end, the ability to lock in. You know, that should travel. That should be night to night. Um, and then the offensive end fitting in around someone like Scotty Barnes and quickly he can make a shot. Um, and as he develops more offensively, you know, he'll he'll provide some
0: you know additional shot creation. Okay. Um, and I don't want to ask about the other piece too. And Kelly Ol- Olenek, I know you guys already talked about uh the flexibility, the optionality. Um, do you see Kelly as a piece of the team next year and beyond?
1: Yeah, we wouldn't do the deal if we didn't see that, right? I think uh, from the skill set talked about a little yesterday with Scotty, and and talking to Scotty today is we haven't had a, you know, sort of skilled stretch five around him. Um, I think there's a bit of veteran presence also we lose when you do, you know, you you lose Dennis and Dad, So we want to maintain some structure around, um, you know, relatively young core. It's not not a bunch of rookies and second-year guys, but they're, they're between 22, 27, 28. Um, so it's kind of twofold, which is he provides a skill set
0: and then kind of a steadying uh, hand for us. Okay. Well, on the subject of Scotty, so much discussion around building around Scotty. You guys are clearly making a very intentional effort on that front. Um, I want to ask you guys, what role do you see him playing long term? You, you mentioned yesterday, for example, you would like to see potentially some more reps of him running point again, which may open up based on the trade deadline. But what what long term role do you see for Scotty Barnes?
1: Yeah, I think we're we're all seeing it now, but I think Scotty projects as a really unselfish hub and you can run a lot of things around him. Whether it's him as the primary ball handler, whether he's the secondary ball handler in the in the half court, our job now uh is to surround him with the right skill set and personnel that fit his strengths. Um, and I think, you know, big moment this week with Scotty being named to as an all star in just his third NBA season. I think it's a, probably a pretty esteemed group that, you know, he joins. Um and so, it's how do we, you know, grow him? How do we raise him in an environment here uh, where we're getting the best out of him on the court, but also, you know, teaching him leadership skills, um, being a great teammate, um, you know? So those are all the challenges we have with Scotty, but we feel really, really
2: strongly that the base with Scotty is a really high floor. So when it comes to his, you know, kind of fit with these new pieces, um, you know, we can see the center position now, right? Like Jakub Pernell's back healthy, Kelly Olynyk's in here. We all know Kelly's game. Uh, really well the way the depth chart looks right now and I think you mentioned it briefly yesterday uh, maybe a little bit more room for Scotty as I mean point guard or de facto point guard wherever you want to uh, however you want to frame that um, does you know as you look longer term does the the focus become on finding more shooting around that more defending around that or, or are we are you guys still kind of figuring that out as you see what Scotty looks like with IQ with Kelly with, with uh, RJ here
1: yeah, listen, at the highest level, you need two way guys, you need to be able to defend at a high level. Um, I think, you know, you're always gonna see us put a premium on shooting around Scotty to win forward. But I don't think it's just as simple as just, you know, catch and shoot. You, you need dynamic players who can cut off the ball, um, who can create on their own as well. And I think, you know, you see different scenarios around the league with players similar to Scotty. You do need a mix of
0: shooting, uh, but you do need some other uh, you know, creation around. Okay. Well, to that point, um, you might have already answered it, but why did you target Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett as the specific surrounding pieces around Scotty? Like, what what specifically do they do that you like that fits with his uh, projected skill set and his current skill set?
2: Yeah, I think going back
1: to that deal, we saw two players, uh, you know, 23, 24 years old, who had an opportunity to grow, and and you know, in New York, I think they're it's very clear what their kind of packing order is, and so we, we were looking for players around the league, not necessarily. Know specifically in New York, but players that, if given more opportunity, could really blossom. And so I think with uh, you know Emmanuel and RJ, they both hopefully people have seen over the past you know a few weeks here, and we haven't had a whole team together just yet. Um, but there is more scoring. Uh, there's more shot creation. Uh, there's an ability to play as starters as opposed to coming off the bench. So a number of a number of reasons, but I'd say primarily age um, and just putting them you know up a slot kind of in in order on. Uh, on
0: the team okay this is jumping around but uh, you just brought it up um, can we expect to see um, you know Kelly and Ochai available for tonight's game is that are, are we are we a little too eager or what's going on fingers crossed you know it takes two to tango so
1: they're in Toronto so they will be at the game tonight there's a bunch of uh, NBA rules around trade so they do have to pass a physical and the guys in Utah need to pass a physical but you know
0: we're hopeful that uh, you know they'll be available okay and then I think the last question around Scotty, um, this is maybe more of a question for Masai, but we have you here and I wanted to ask you as well. Um, you know, Masai, when he talked in his press conference about a few weeks back, he, he mentioned that he kind of wished that he had foresaw this jump from Scotty to all star level, which we're seeing right now, um, a little bit earlier. And I guess my question t- to that is do you think that would have changed anything in terms of the team building strategy? For example, if Scotty had made this jump the last year instead of this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting what if I think where I kind of started this conversation with Scotty, is he's an all-star in his third NBA season. And, you know, if you want to look at the players who are all-stars in the second NBA season, now you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, very, very, you know, top five players in the league now. And so I think it'd be a bit unfair to say, you know, this was expected of Scotty, or, um, you know, we wish he would have done that. So no, I think like, you know, what's so like the development is not linear. And and I think we're happy with, you know, whatever winding curve got him to be an all-star in
0: year three. Yeah, no no. Um but I think by the way, it's, did Scotty also say that you're the one who broke the news that he was the All-Star? Yeah. How'd that go? Um, uh, so the NBA calls you yeah.
1: and they say congratulations. And they say about well, can we get Scotty on the phone? Uh they actually say, Can we get Scotty on the phone to see if he accepts, as if someone wouldn't accept. <laughs> and so I'd actually been texting with Scotty earlier that day. And so um you can probably imagine this generation of kid doesn't like pick up the phone so I texted him and I said pick up I'm calling <laughs> and I had the NBA on the line and he had no idea and I said I said Scottie have the you know president of basketball officer for the NBA on and I don't know if he thought he was getting in trouble or whatnot and um so I click over and they say "You know, we like to invite you to Indianapolis for the all-star game and you know do you accept and I, he was on the team bus I think in Charlotte right and one of those I always just imagine one of those cool moments where you know, you're in sort of a private setting. You can't necessarily share with everybody. It's not that most, you know, humble thing to like yell out on the bus that, you know, hey, I just was announced as all-star, but I could just tell sort of through the phone the excitement he had and, and you know, he was really um, energetic and, you know, told the NBA he couldn't
0: wait to be there and let's go and all the stuff you can imagine, Scotty would say. Got you. Got you. Well, you got, we have one last question for you, not on Scotty, but just uh, one last one about the past. Uh, obviously, Fragman Lee returns to Toronto. The first time since uh, leaving this past summer, um, I, I want to get it on the record. Who in the front office should get the most credit for discovering the uh, now highest paid undrafted player of all time? You know we don't do that. We all we all take the credit and we all uh, think. We... all
2: right. I got a question. Maybe you will answer. Actually, this is also a non-trade deadline question. Before we let you go here, um, man, I, I know you got you guys have a game the Friday in Miami and a game the Sunday in Miami, but April thirteenth, UFC three hundred. Our guy Max Holloway, Raptors super fan uh, for the BMF belt, and you can watch it on Sportsnet and Sportsnet Plus. Obviously, see you in Vegas or what?
1: That that would be quite the weekend. Friday night Miami, Saturday Vegas. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if
2: you're making it back for the game son. We got a whole off season after that though to uh, to or play in maybe, baby, but uh, a whole off season to, to recover. <laughs> so.
1: Well, yeah, go Max. We're always there supporting them. So um, I would love to go to that if I can. But, uh, you know, sometimes
0: duty so. calls. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we'll be rooting for him man. Bobby, appreciate you. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you down at the game tonight. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.